Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James. And on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about a very different AK to usual with Anthony Knockhart joining the Whites on loan last night from Brighton for the season. And here to deliver some KOs on the pod uh, is the heavyweight chaparral of the world, Don Betts. Hello, hello. Uh, the man who loves dropping a stats bomb, Ben Jarman. Hi, Sammy. Nice to be back. And the king of the YouTube jungle, Jack Kelly. Good evening. How are we doing, lads? Yeah, not bad, mate. Good. Really good, mate. Nice and sweaty. Warming up for this uh, season of podcasts. It's nice to be in the flow of it again, and it's an absolute scorcher in London today. Ben, you look like um, you had a tough tube over. I did. The Jubilee line from Southwark to London Bridge and then London Bridge Northern Line to Old Street was not nice in the slightest. It must be one. about 50, 50 degrees on there. I'll be interested to hear what uh, our listeners who live in warmer climes will have to make of our moaning, but it is very, very hot. To be fair, the Jubilee line was worse than the Northern for me. Yeah, Jubilee because line the was, was boiling. wasn't as busy. Yeah, me. Northern line was okay, Jubilee line's packed. Yeah, Jubilee line was awful. Almost central line levels, but not quite. To all the people in our warmer climates, you try riding a central line at rush hour in the middle of summer it's not nice or just just any time of the year i mean (laughs) i mean central line is the worst at all times of the year yeah you're right um so loads to discuss on tonight's podcast Uh, obviously loads about anthony knockout will come on to him john mckell seri uh leaving for galatasaray any other uh bits and bobs rumors that have been doing the rounds uh we'll be having dom's portugal perusal all the goss from the Algarve. Can't wait. That's the reason that most people have tuned in today. Yeah, easily. Just all the, all the goss from that beautiful week. week. Uh, a bit of a rundown of Brighton on Saturday, and we have a lot of your questions. Uh, I'm going to kick off the podcast um, with a topic that I brought up on last week's podcast. So I read a, an email from a guy called Paul who had climbed Mount Everest. And he emailed to say, I think I'm the only Fulham fan to ever climb Mount Everest. And I set a little bit of a challenge to listeners. If you're a Fulham fan, what do you think you're the only Fulham fan to have done something? Anyway, we've had some brilliant, brilliant emails. So I thought I'd read a few to you now, see what you think. Uh, This one from Richard Valentine. Uh, He thinks that he was the first person to play at the current Wembley Stadium in a Fulham shirt. Uh, he got a chance to play on the pitch when he worked there in 2007. Uh, some pictures attached. I mean, hard to argue. Demon internet classic as oh, well. He's there. done really well there, to be fair to him. Mm. Uh, that's a good one. Thank you, Richard. Uh, this is from George Fox. I reckon no other Fulham fan has watched a Fulham football match while in the mass- middle of a massive storm at sea. Uh, he said that he's uh, a fisherman and he were- watches Fulham whilst fishing in the middle of the Atlantic. That's incredible. How can you even get Fulham games in the middle of the Atlantic? Ever seen Deadliest Catch? You know how hard it is to stand up straight, let alone watch Fulham. Yeah, exactly. Unreal. I mean, it's depressing enough out being out at sea without having to watch Fulham <laughs> games at the same time. This one, I think this might be my favourite. This is from Nikolaus Silla. Hi, guys. I think I'm the only Fulham fan to have been this close to Vladimir Putin. He sends us a photo of him. He's a soldier. Of, of some kind I don't know what army I'm assuming Russian but could be a, another army while Vladimir Putin yep, visiting nice. and there's a photo of him I mean a metre away from one of the most powerful men in the world I mean incredible a uh, couple more from Hussein he thinks he's the only Fulham fan in Karachi Pakistan maybe 
I mean, you've got to be the only Fulham fan if you live in Karachi, Pakistan. Certainly the only Fulhamish listener. Mm. We can actually, we can verify yeah, these. We, can verify we, can, we can see the locations. A uh, couple more. Martin Lejeune, he thinks he's the only person to have completed the London Marathon on five separate occasions and wow. be a Fulham fan. That's mad impressive. Uh, and finally from Andrew Stanley, I think I'm the only Fulham fan to have walked around the entire border of Kent, 335 miles. Would you enjoy walking around the whole border of Kent, Dom? No, I'll just stay at my family's in Ashford. There's no point in walking around the entire thing, is there? Some night when you get to see the cliffs of Dover, go seen to Margate, seen that. go to Ramsgate. Dimchurch is better. Gravesend. Nah. You just need to go, you only need Dimchurch and then you job done. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that Don was such an expert on Kent? Anyway, let's crack on. Anthony Knockart last night signed for the Whites on a season long loan. There's an option to buy him for 10 million. Now, I'm really glad that I came on last week's podcast and declared that this would never happen, Jack. Yeah. Um, how surprised were you that Fulham have done this deal and what an incredible coup um yeah it's a great signing but um it surprised me a lot because it kind of reminded me of the Schurler deal last year there was rumors he was linked with other clubs as well then we kind of just forgot about it and then suddenly out of nowhere sky sports come in and say these he's doing a medical and then it kind of escalated from there it's a really good signing really exciting um and and the fact that we did get him on a loan with an option to buy it is is better than spending seventeen million on the guy. He, he's he's a great signing. He will bring so much to the team. Tom, are you surprised that he hasn't had other offers and he's decided to to come down a division? He would have played if he'd have stayed at Brighton next season, albeit maybe not every single game. Yeah, I do. But I do think it's Potter make kind of making his own stamp on the side. If you look, Bruno's also. I think he's retired. It's sort of like yeah. maybe a new era. For Brighton and Graham Potter clearly doesn't see Anthony Knockhart as part of that. It was another point I brought up when I saw he signed is obviously the rumours that basically are looking like Cessna onto Spurs is pretty much a done deal. If you have a front three of Caviera, Mitric, and Knockhart, does Cess get in your front three? Hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure. I certainly on. I, I look. I look at the, the eleven. Does Cess even get in the eleven? Ben is he? He's not a better left back than Joe Bryan. Well, I don't think he's a better left back than Joe Bryan. No, but I think it's really close between him, Caviera, and and Knockhart for, for that starting wing berth. But I think last season, his progression, astronomical first two seasons, slowed somewhat. And yeah, I I also struggled to see him fitting in that starting 11 for, based on last season's form. But And also the form he carried through into the summer as well. He, I didn't think he was that good in the uh, under-21s tournament either. I mean, Ben... Knockart is a really, really popular player down on the South Coast. They're, mm. they're gutted to see him going. Part of me, it smacks of sentimentality from, from Brighton fans rather than necessarily um, looking ahead you know, at their team for the upcoming season. But it's always a good sign when, when players... When fans, sorry, are, are upset that one of their players is going. And we've had that now with both Cavallero and Knockart. Well, I think Caballero is probably the one that isn't getting as much fanfare as it probably deserves to because people would look at his stats from last season and say he hasn't done particularly well and he didn't really feature for Wolves last season, but you need to look at the context. Knockout, on the other hand, has been a regular for Brighton for a number of years and he was their player championship player of the year a couple of years ago, if memory serves me correctly. And I think we've got ourselves a very, very good player there, someone that's incredibly direct. He's not going to be afraid to take on defenders and I think that's something that the team as a whole really lacked last year. It was a very one-dimensional, one-paced team uh, throughout the whole of our tenure in the Premier League. And this year, what we've done is got two very lightning-fast, technically able wingers that will attack their wing-backs and attack the byline that, like we used to. 
But I, the reason that I said on last week's podcast that I never thought we'd sign Anthony Knockart was after Tony came on here and said, we don't really look to sign players that are 28 and above. Now, technically, Knockart's 27, but it, his birthday's in November. Are Fulham moving away slightly from the... <laughs> We often think of Fulham as, as as a side that really looks at stats and tries to find value and bring in players from obscure leagues. And I think we take that thinking from the, the seasons where we brought in players like Dennis Adoy, Niskins Cabano, Floyd Ayite. In the last two years in particular, we really seem to be moving away from that model of signing players. And it, a lot of it seems to be more on reputation, what you've done before, being experienced in certain leagues. Well, I think it comes down to a couple of things. Firstly, is the fact that we have money left over. Well, we have parachute payments from the Premier League that enable us to financially go after players like Knockout and Cavaliero and offer new deals to Mitrovic and Kearney. Well, I think the second thing is, is establishment. You need to establish yourself at the top of this league. And if you don't get big players in that know how to play in the championship, then you struggle. And I think we found that the season before last, in the first half of our promotion season, where we got a lot of players that weren't necessarily suited to this league and really had to dig ourselves out of a hole by bringing in players that had played in England before and especially in that league. And I think Tony has... has Balanced, uh, found a balance there between looking at experience in the league and also trying to find those little gems that we've been linked with as well. So learning the lessons from players like Rui Font is probably the, the clearest example. Yeah, or someone like Molo, as we discussed quite at length on Friday night, um, like plucking people like Molo out of thin air and it not working is something that Tony used to do. And as to his credit, um, I know there are a lot of detractors out there and there's some here on the podcast as well that like he's found consistency now with some of his signings so it, it's good for us um, Jack is Mitrovic Cavalero and Knockart the strongest front three in the championship um, yes I think it's up there I think someone argued earlier that it was um, Richie Perez and I can't remember who the other Newcastle player oh Dwight Gale that's a very strong front three that Newcastle had a couple of years ago but... oh you're talking about ever I meant this season oh but... this season Oh, this season, yeah. For the only one that could compare is Leeds, and they've got um, Roof, Harris, Jack Harrison, and um, Jack Clark, and Pablo Hernandez. Leeds, Leeds are like the biggest threat to us in terms of like who who would compete at that front three. But um, on paper, with the with the the proven players that we have in terms of what they've done before, I think we've got the best front three. Cool. Well, um, Dom, there have been issues raised about knockout's temperament and well we saw it at the end of last season in the Premier League there was that ridiculously rash challenge that he did um, in a game it was at the Amex I can't exactly I think it was against Bournemouth when they lost 5-0 he does have a streak to him but you could have said the same of Mitrovic before he arrived everyone was saying oh watch out about Mitrovic that's a guaranteed three red cards a season does Tony now think that a policy is to find slightly undervalued players because they've got a so-called bad temperament or, or, or a perceived attitude problem and he thinks that actually Fulham can mould some of these players and get the best out of these players? It's a good strategy in principle, but I guess it is a cocktail and it could go wrong. Yeah, I think people, you, you look at the Mitchell situation, but I think it's totally different because he came into a club which, you know, Slavisa was already out. I don't think you've got the same thing with Anthony Knockart. But if you're going by Tony Khan's statement, he's known him since he's a 12-year-old playing in France, known him for several years. So, he, although he says that on every single play, he seems to have known every single player he buys since they were the age of 12. 
going by what Tony Khan has to say. But I think you know it is a new it's a new sort of type of signing. We weren't making these sort of signings in the Championship last time. We wouldn't be we weren't signing you know experienced top level Championship players. No. And I think this is this is a very good move to make because he clearly wants to bounce straight back up. But then your problem there is then you've got a load of players who. Are, you could argue are too good for championship and not good enough for the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, I think you know, yes, he has got the temperament. But you know, when he's on form and you see him in the championship for Leicester and for Brighton, that he's probably one of the best wide players in the league. So it'd be interesting to see how he plays. Cause obviously, he wasn't playing in a four-three-three at Brighton. He was more playing right midfield as opposed to right wing. But I think, yeah, I think it's it's a it's a right sign and we should be making. And you know, I, I, oh, I've never agreed with this. Oh, no one above twenty-eight kind of rule because if they're good enough to put in a team and they've got the experience. Why not sign them? But yeah, I don't I don't see any problem with the with the temperament because you know, as we said with Mitrovic, I know it's a totally different situation. But you know, the only time he's really kicked off this season was well, not even this season in his, in his Fulham career was in the playoff final when Jack Grealish absolutely leathered Tom Kearney. Yeah, Cess and Babel or Cavalero and Knockhart. I think you just got to say Cess and Babel just because got Ryan Babel in it, <laughs> and he's twice player Cavalero and Knockhart. I don't know. I don't personally know. I love Cess. I didn't like Babel that much. I think that... I think Caviero and Knockhart with Mitrovic works a lot better than Cess and Babel. I don't think... Yeah, I, don't, I, think I, feel like, I don't feel like Cess and Babel works with Mitrovic, if that makes sense. I know Babel scored, but that was because of his natural ability. Yeah. I, don't, I actually think these two wingers might actually work better and add more to the team than the other two did. Yeah, I, I agree. It gives us more mobility as a front three, whereas Cess gave us a lot of pace and... And raw energy, but didn't have that much positioning. And Babel had completely the opposite for me. I didn't really like what Babel brung to us. I thought he slowed us down way too much, but that's another conversation. I think this here gives us pace, power in all three departments. I don't know what Jack Kelly thinks. No, I think, obviously, if you look at you know who your favourite players are, I mean, Session's been one of my favourite players for years. And obviously, Ryan Babel did come in and actually bring something to the team. He did score goals. He did make a, some kind of difference. But I think with Babel, it's more that he did something whereas opposed to the other players did fuck all. <laughs> like, yeah, he was, he, it was, he stood out in a very, very bad team mm. because he was the only one that did anything. Yeah, I agree. And not necessarily, he was, I don't know if he was always absolutely brilliant. He was the only one that, like by the last five, six games looked like even scoring a He goal. was playing for a move elsewhere. Of course he was. Yeah. He didn't even want and to score that goal against Liverpool. He was a yard out he didn't want to score. I also think with Ryan Babel, I think he was playing a bit for his reputation. I think he'll have known what the scepticism was when he moved to Fulham. And he, I reckon he came to England thinking, you know what, I'm going I'm to play quite well at Fulham. I'm just going to make everyone realise that I wasn't some red-haired flop that um, did averagely at Liverpool. I actually was a good player and I could have really been an established Premier League player had I had things gone right and been given a different opportunity. Anyway, we've digressed slightly um, onto Ryan Babble. Jack, do you think this is the last marquee signing that we'll make this summer? The real big statement signing that we'll make? I mean, we might sign a couple of defenders, but not saying that defenders can't be marquee signings, but... Yeah, in terms of a big name, I think that's probably the last of it. The only ones I could probably see maybe coming in is Harry Arter and, and maybe Mo Besic. But apart from that, defenders, I don't see any big names being linked. Uh, Semi Ajayi has gone to West Brom and that's disappointing to see. But apart from that, no, I think Knockhart and Caviero for me, I'm fine by that. Dom, uh, any other players that you've seen doing the rounds in, in the transfer gossip that, that caught your eye? No, that's, that's the weird thing. This window... 
we we haven't been heavily linked to loads of players like we often are. Mm. Like most players we've been linked with, we've pretty much got. You know, we've we linked with Caviero, we got him. We linked with Knockout, we've got him. Yes, we've been there's been small links with Mo Besic and Harry Arta, but then I, I kind of look at it and think midfield is sort of the last place you really need to strengthen. And then if and then if we talk about the session on deal, obviously it was uh, George Nkudu and Joshua Anoma, who were then two players in positions I feel we're strong enough already. Which is which is very odd. I, f- I thought we maybe asked Spurs to want a younger defender or something because I do think you know for me, Cyrus Christie. I don't feel like he should be starting, and for us, I think we can get better. And I do think uh, the right side of centre back is still a bit of a problem. But those two positions are the only positions I'm seeing where I think we can improve there. But otherwise, I think the rest of the team solid for challenging for top two in the championship. Uh, ben, where are the next targets for you? I presume also you're going to agree with defence. Well, centre-half and, and right-back are, are the two very much obvious um, positions that we need to get filled in there, other than perhaps Mawson and, and Reem. I don't think our defence has got a lot of quality in there. And I know there's a lot of fans of Dennis Adoy, but I don't think that he's the guy that we need playing centre-half next year. I don't think he's going to give us enough authority or consistency. Uh, to to offer a top two challenge and I think obviously there are glaring holes at right back Um, one that I know there's going to be a lot of questions about Steven Sessegnon stepping in but I think that could be maybe a little bit of a a big gap for him but we'll never know until we see him in competitive action Yeah, I mean I'd like to see Steven Sessegnon introduced but I'd like him to be introduced slowly not having to play 15 games in a row out of pure necessity because of an an injury to to Cyrus or just an extreme um, dip in form I I would like just Fulham to start concentrating on the defence because I actually think with the team we've currently got we probably will do okay because we just will score so many goals and actually from experience if you can just you can score your way to the championship in the championship title I mean but it leaves you exposed then when you come up to the Premier League and suddenly defence becomes absolutely vital because then, as we found out when we got promoted, we, we suddenly had nowhere near the capabilities to, to compete at that level. And, and I do think that kind of long-term thinking as well as you know short-term, let's win the championship, great, but we're just going to be stuck in the same problem in, in 12 months' time if we don't reinforce the defence. So hence why, I mean, I'd love us to try and go and get Michael Hector um, from Chelsea, if that if that's still uh, a possible deal, and um, I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see. There's still uh, at least two weeks left of the transfer window. One player that's uh, departed, uh, John Mikel Seri, um, has been confirmed to go to Galatasaray on loan. Uh, Jack, this was a signing that we fully expected to happen, really, and just good that Fulham have got it out of the way. You're a bit disappointed. It's a loan deal, not maybe a, a bit of a fee. Yeah, I wanted a fee just so we could reinvest. But um, but then again, if we were to get promoted and he comes back into the team, then maybe he can have a, a second spot at the club where he actually does a bit better and you know fans grow to him a bit more. I think the reaction from fans kind of annoyed me that completely just getting on his back because yeah. to be fair, like you know, it, it just didn't work out, and it's just one of those things in football. And you know, he wasn't part; he wasn't all to blame for last season. He was part of a big problem uh, or a bigger problem. Um, but the fact that he's on loan gives an opportunity to come back and, and see the, the, the thing about him coming back. I don't think I don't think that's a good thing because then you then again you have the same issue. Where yeah, me you have too. these players who get you up to the to the Premier League and then you bring someone back in who replaces them again. Yeah, I think for I me, I just agree. want I'd, I'd get rid of him because yes, he's a very talented player. We know we've seen we saw that in glimpses last season, especially at the beginning of the season. I thought up until that Brighton away game, he's probably our best player, and then. But for me, again, if you bring him back and you bring him back inside, if we were to get promoted, 
then it, you, you you just have the same issue we had this season of him coming back and saying, oh, I'm better than you, blah, 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 blah. I just think, you know, hopefully he does well at Galatasaray and he just moves on a permanent deal next summer. Um, ben, mm. I understand why teams like Fulham, for example, would see the option of having a loan with an option to buy as a really attractive way of getting in players because effectively it's try before you buy it's like if you went to dfs and they were like oh you can have this sofa for six months and if you just don't want it give it back to us it's Um, kind of what Wolves did though i know it's a very different way in the way they operate yeah but a lot of the players who got them up promoted all their key players were actually on loan and they just bought them when they get onto the premier and that's another way how they got around final financial fair play so it has it has got history behind it on being a way to work, but it's just it's a, it is still a big gamble. Right? But why would clubs accept it? And this is kind of where I was going with John McElserry. Why are clubs accepting these deals? What's in it for Brighton? What's in it for Fulham with Serry letting him go on loan and having an option? I, I, I'm a bit baffled as to... There must be some sort of metric, otherwise they wouldn't be allowing it to happen. Well, the first one's obviously FFP, as Dom said. Like You, ha- you have to be able to get around FFP regulations and... For Fulham, if if we bought not a cut, for example, it would be offsetting his fee or contracted fee until next year, meaning that if we did go up, we'd obviously have a bigger budget, and that it also gives you a safeguard against um, promotion. Say we didn't get it, that we why, saved money. But why are Brighton accepting it? Why are Brighton not going? No, if you want because to buy him. my understanding would be that we've probably decided to cover all the wages. Potter's got rid of a player that he doesn't want anymore. And they've replaced him, we've replaced Knockhart directly with Leandro Tossard, who's their biggest ever club record signing, who plays in the same position as him. They've just got him in from Belgium. So it makes sense for them to offload and get some sort of money in, in the short term. I think for us, getting Seri out the door, basically, as we were discussing earlier, is probably a bit of an offset to getting Knockhart in. I imagine that... that there's somewhere along the lines that the fee that we pay Brighton and the fee that we receive from Galatasaray is having all his wages covered equals out somewhere otherwise we wouldn't have done it but for Galatasaray I'd be really really surprised if they take up the option to buy him because I would imagine it would be outside of their budget yeah, but I guess all Fulham really care about in this scenario is that he just does well for Galatasaray and therefore next summer when we actually do want to properly sell him, yeah. there is a, a, a perceived value there. Obviously, he'll only have a, a year or so left on his contract though because I don't think he signed a terribly long... No, he, I think he signed three plus one. Okay. So he should, in theory, have two years left on it. But okay. if I was Fulham and... I was there, as reported in the press, that AC Milan and a number of Italian clubs were hunting for a permanent deal with the majority of that fee up front, then I absolutely would have taken that. But I feel like that would have been a longer negotiation than it would have been with Galatasaray. And Tony, as he stated on the podcast with yourself and Jack, wanted to get things going very early uh, this summer window. And I guess that's one of the thinking behind taking that loan now as well. Yeah, I guess. And actually... It's it's a, he he said and it was the we were talking about buying players when actually we were discussing it but it's hard to know do you accept the offer that's on the table right now or wait two weeks but we all remember the situation with Brian Ruiz last time we came down and okay actually Brian did a few bits in the championship but he wasn't even celebrating goals that he scored he was he was that unhappy mm-hmm. um, to be here and I don't think 
and, and you imagine that Seri would be a similar situation. Um, just before we finish the kind of transfer section of the podcast, um, more links today with Sessegnon going to Spurs. I mean, it's the one that's dragged on all summer. You feel, I have the feeling it's going to go to deadline day. It has that. I don't think it's going to go. I think it's going to be sorted this week. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's, it's going to be basically sorted this week. I think, you know, he's he's had his holiday now. He's going to be. I think. I think it isn't one that's going to drag out. I think we're the club who are dragging it out. You know, Spurs have will pay twenty million pounds and we're discussing which players we wanted from them. I honestly don't think this is a deal that's going to drag. I think what's dragged it out is because you know Session has been at the under twenty one championships. He's now had his actual summer break, and then now he he should be back returning to training in the next week or two. So I don't actually think this is going to drag out. I think if it if it, if it isn't done by the end of this week, I'll be very surprised. I was just feeling like it's going to get dragged out because it's Daniel Levy and he knows if he pushes this to the last minute. Fulham will just almost have to take whatever offer he puts on the table. Oh, I think you <coughs> you have to look at the the deal with Undombele this this summer with him and Aulas, the Leon uh, chairman who is trying to out Levy Levy. Basically, yeah, Levy versus Levy. Um, it's like two Pokemon that are exactly matched. Like they're never going to beat each other, but like they managed to get that deal done pretty quickly. And I think what Levy's been told by Pochettino is that he wants players and he wants them early so he can fit them into the system. You see it so often with Spurs under Poch that. They get players in quite late in the window, and it takes them six or nine months to to bed in, like Lucas did the first time round when he when he joined. He only played about six or seven games from January through to May after he signed from PSG. So, yeah, I also think like if you're Cess right now, given how the Premier League is, you go to Spurs. It's absolutely your best option. You've got one of the best coaches in the world. You have first team experience available to you. Linking up with England's captain and a lot of very influential players like you'd probably go for it. But if you're Fulham, I don't know why you'd take Kevin George, and no, George Kevin and Kudu over a couple of centre-halves that they've got in their ranks. Or Josh Onoma. I just, I, just, I just don't see them to improving what we've got. Yeah, I mean, when Onoma gives you depth, right? Onoma was at Wednesday, he didn't really impress. But like, is, is, is he better than Hansen? Is he better than McDonald? Is he better than Kearney? Is he better than Guisa? No. No, but then if you have one injury, then it quickly yeah, becomes better. I'd rather give Maharani a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah me I, get too. That, I get that as well. But Onoma did have some good uh, experience. Out yeah, of but Villa. We, it feel like we're just getting thrown players who they don't need, who we don't need either. I don't see how in, is Inkudu really going to offer us more than behind Knockout and Caviero, more than Kamara, Aita, Cabano does. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. You you probably wouldn't want him. You'd want someone else. Yeah, no, it's not even that. Like I, I'm, I'm thinking, like do. What's the is the do we just do we need these two players? Do we, can't we just do we just take the twenty million pound fee? I, I think twenty million is too low, personally. Yeah, I don't. I think he's got one year left on his deal. I think twenty million pounds is all. You're not going to get more than twenty five max, and I think your twenty million pounds. I don't think it's necessarily the worst deal in the world here because I'd rather get twenty million pound than twenty million pound. I know you're getting two players here, but they're two players who I don't think we need, and just adding wages onto a book which we don't need to pay them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement. Um, Jack, your your thoughts on the potential Sessignon deal? Yeah, I, I think the sooner it gets uh, concluded, the better. I just think that him and Seri were, were the two players who kind of wanted out, and the quicker we get them out, the better, just to prepare for our season. Uh, a player I would take, or a couple of players I would take from Tottenham is, is Juan Foyf and, and Oliver Skip, but apart from that, none of them interest me. I'll take Harry Kane. Yeah, I'll take Harry Kane, obviously. But. Yeah, 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 I think Deli Ali would be quite good. At, no, as in, uh, like, ten. realistically. Uh, I, know, yeah. I know Jack Collins is a big fan of Kyle Walker Peters. Oh, yeah, him he, as well. He, he wanted him. Yeah, but now now he's all trippier. He's their second <laughs> right back after Serge Aurier. Yeah, I know. Yeah, surely. But I surely they'd get someone else in, right? You'd, you'd imagine so, but you never know, I suppose. Like, you, their, their fullback options are very weak at the moment. 
Mm. You know, if you're looking for a team who's trying to challenge for the Champions League and Premier League, you got Sergio Aurier and Carl Walker Peters on the right hand side, and got Danny Rose. who looks like he's off anyway, and Ben Davis on the other. We've we've tried to move Juan Foyth to four. I know he played there for Argentina in the Copa America. No, uh, it's not good. Yeah, he did. In Argentina it weren't great, so. Precisely. All right, well, that concludes uh, a little bit of the transfer section. Coming up, it's what you've been waiting for. Dom in Portugal, the review. Hello, Dom here. If you want an extra Fulham audio fix each week, check out the Fulham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio, which is every Wednesday from 9 to 10 p.m. UK time. There's plenty of Fulham discussion and regular interviews with ex-players too. If you can't listen live, just search for Fulham Fan Show in your podcast app of your choice and get it on demand whenever you like. Welcome back to part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Kelly. Hello. In a lovely Croatia shirt. Is that real? Uh, no, it's fake, but I got it a few years ago. Rakitic on the back. Can't go wrong. Yeah, you wouldn't know. Don Betts. Hello, hello. And Ben Jarman. Hello. What's the favourite shirt that you've bought recently, Ben? You love a classic football shirt. Uh, I got the Atlanta United uh, away shirt from last season. The nice peach and white number. That's number 54 for the collection now. Uh, I think my favourite is last season's Athletic Club Bilbao away kit, which is uh, like an electric blue. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. What's um, your latest favourite kit that you are eyeing up to buy? Uh, earlier on, on Classic Football Shirts, I saw a Kenya home shirt oh, wow. for 20 quid, and it's amazing. There's just like loads of styles all over it. It looks, it looks very, very weird. Um, but if not, uh, I really like the new Inter Milan mint green kit, mm-hmm. the PSV green kit as well uh, and I love Fulham's home kit this year I think mm. it looks so smart um, I, li- I like the simple shirts with a nice uh, rounded collar so I think that's really really nice quick round table we've all seen what's happened with Huddersfield this week and the uh, the link up with the betting company that I'm not going to name because I'm not going to give them any more promotion that they than they already have <laughs> would you accept that if Fulham had done the same so you know, it'd been all of the controversy all over the papers with the sash over the kit, but then in the end, you ended up with a sponsorless shirt. Well, I would have been happy unless I was Huddersfield, whose kits are made by Umbro. <laughs> Umbro is a nice kit. No, 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 no. This is incorrect. <laughs> I'm not having that against Umbro. They make some bloody nice They kits. do, but they make some bloody awful ones as well. That one's a nice one, though. No, I don't like the collar. Don't rate the collar. England with Umbro. Yeah, no, 2002 World Cup shirt's a banger. You've probably got that shirt somewhere. I do have that shirt, but the shirt that Huddersfield have got, hat. made by Umbro, is pony. <laughs> like, it's a very nice... I like it without the sponsor, but the collar, none of that. If it was just our shirt that we got now, with you know, without the Daffabet sponsor, yeah, but it would all be for it, but not that Umbro monstrosity. But you would have been happy if Fulham had done that. You kind of yes, got 48 hours, 48 hours of ridicule for... I'd also make sure I bought one of the Paddy Power ones just because then you can sell it for loads of money later on. Mm. Yeah, I know. That's a collector's item. Jack, would have mm. you taken that? Yeah, I would have. I just think the simplicity from our two shirts or, or our, definitely our home shirt would work without a sponsor. And Yeah, I like it. Uh, I would have taken it if it was anyone else but a betting company. Um, so, for example, like... Uh, well, I wouldn't... Like an energy company like Gazprom, for example, like sashed up our shirt and then took the sponsor away for the season. That'd be perfect. But I think betting... In football is a bit of a virus at the moment and there's loads of um, articles that are coming out across the Times and Telegraph that demonstrate how badly betting is a, is affecting loads of countries, especially in Africa. Mm. So yeah, I would, I'd prefer never to have a betting sponsor on a shirt, but that's my personal preference. No, but difficult because at the end of the day, they're the only ones with any cash for advertising yep. these days. And apparently when Fulham got promoted to the Premier League last season, the only sponsors we were offered of any sort 
were gambling companies and I guess it's a sad indictment of uh, so the way modern football of, is. One of the most interesting stories I saw coming out this summer was that um, Raul Sociedad turned down a 3.5 million euro deal from a betting partner um, for the front of their shirt wow. to go sponsor us this year. It was quite nice. Impressive. Right, Dom. Yes, mate. You had a nice time in Portugal. Yeah, it was right. Uh, you took over the Fulhamish Instagram story last Tuesday and... Some lovely feedback on that, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it was kind just of incredible. what people want, mate. Just what, content. It was one of those Instagram stories where it has so many bars across the top. Even I, as the person that founded Fulhamish, thought, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to make <laughs> the it. The funny thing is, really I think is. there's only two from the actual game. Yeah, there was. Yeah. <laughs> so you went to see Fulham play Porto. Was it in Albufeira? Albufeira, yeah. Okay, give us the review. It's a great place because you go on holiday and then everyone there is just still English. I mean, it's, it's, it's an ideal world. You have to, but no, it, yeah. You'd love Gibraltar. I was there. Not oh, yeah, I've been to Gibraltar. Gibraltar's class as well. <laughs> Lovely rock. Um, but, yeah, no, it was, it was good. I arrived on the Sunday evening and I got a message just before I boarded my flight from a few Fulham fans. Uh, Craig, who's listening to the pod, uh, dropped me a message. Like, oh, there's a few of us out there. Do you want to meet up for a beer? Later? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So, yeah, Craig, uh, his younger stepbrother, Jack, and their mate, Rob. Uh, yeah, so we met, we met up then once me and my mate sort of settled down into our apartment and made it back into the old town. Yeah, had a few. And then Monday, you know, just went to the beach, you know. Was that when you hired the pedal? No, the pedal was day of the game on a Tuesday. Okay. Uh, that, that was a good day, that. I mean, it was the end of Freddie Flintoff's career. It could have been the end of yours. Yeah, it could have been, it could have been the end of mine. But uh, no, it was a good start to the game, going out of pedalo because my mate had a horrific hangover. So that got rid of that for him. That was one good thing about the trip. I didn't actually have one hangover somehow. So Okay, well done. I, I deal. <laughs> and then the day of the game, you drunk at a bar called Portugal Rocks? Yes. Yeah, so Scott Maltman, I don't, you probably know him if you've gone to Fulham Way against everyone knows who Scott is. He's recently moved out to Albufeira and Portugal Rocks is the company he works for. I think they organise like stag and Hindu parties and things like that. Right. Because only like 10 minutes from this main strip. So he just posted on Twitter and I, I posted it on the Fulhamish account for anyone who else was out there. So we met them. We, we, I got there about five o'clock or so. And obviously the game was half eight kickoff, I think. So yeah, we stayed there for a few hours. Fulham flags everywhere. Were you drinking Superbock or Sagres? Well, it was only Sagres in that bar, unfortunately. Ah, oh, Superbock uh, is the superior. Yeah, I, I prefer Superbock to Sagres. But uh, yeah, it was only two euro fifty for a pint in there. So. Okay, uh, wonderful. And then you went to the game. What was the stadium like? It wasn't. It, the, it wasn't the drag out, was it? No, it wasn't the drag out, unfortunately. But it was a, it was a really weird ground. So it, like, I've been to some really fucking awful preseason grounds. But this was a very weird one. So when you when you walked in, it it felt like, like a building site, right? And then you, we 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 were, we were giving our separate stand for the the English, basically, where they weren't selling any beer. There was loads of riot police everywhere. Oh, and yeah, so there's like loads of police in proper like padded up, geared up uniform, like being not aggressive as such, but being quite forceful towards the Fulham fans who were like going towards the close closer to the pitch. Uh, they were like really, they were like it was really weird. So one of there was the stand was sort of blocked into two. So there was the flags in the middle, and then like two two sort of side stands, and we we were both we were all standing in them, and then like there was one side of the side stand the sort of police or security were getting really oh don't go there I'm just like really mate what difference is it going to make if I stand one yard to the left but yeah so then the, the game uh, obviously, obviously as any preseason trip goes the worst part of the trip so but you know it, 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 the game itself obviously I presume you, I, don't know, I don't know if you spoke about it since last week's we haven't spoken because um, mm. we recorded on the Tuesday before yeah, the so, game happened yeah the game was I mean well 
any any preseason game. It was quite it was quite dull. I thought Sars Christie was awful as usual, and you know I Shock. thought I thought I thought Kamara showed in glimpses, but there was just moments of him being really really Kamara like and just not making a player and then falling over and mm. things like that. And then when he went through on goal and when he should have scored, you know half a lot of Sam were like celebrating for a second because like he went through on goal, hit the ball quite cleanly, mm. and you expect that to just nestle into the bottom corner, except he nearly pinged the ball ball around the edge. So I think yeah. Then then once the game was over, I think once he got to about. 40 minutes everyone was sort of waiting for the game to win so just go back to the bar um, and then yeah the, we ignore the game because no one really cares about the game no um, of course not and then we got back to the bar and Scott was just playing every possible Fulham related song possible from the speaker system perfect how long is that playlist? I don't know it went on for a few hours that's quite, that's quite impressive that there's two hours of Fulham related yeah, songs yeah because it probably started like 11 and the songs probably finished like one half one good stuff well he's got the one that got the Tom Kenny tattoo on his yes he leg. was Oh yeah, good footballer him. I remember him from the game against Fulham Focus. Yeah, he was very very good. All right, well, thank you for the pre-season update. Another quick bit of pre-season chatter: um, the Brighton game in Aldershot on Saturday. Fulham won their first game of pre-season. Um, are you a bit annoyed that Fulham only turn up in pre-season when you're not there? No, yeah, I said the last pre-season game I saw us win was two years ago when we beat. Was it? P.S. Gaviche 1-0 in Poznan or just South Poznan in a place called Oplanica I think it was at a hotel where the Fulham players I think were staying at the time so yeah that was the last pre-season game and as I said we only win pointless pre-season games I don't go to so um, Jack what did you make of Saturday's game against Brighton um, bit of a howler from Betts for the first goal but we came back nicely yeah it was a weird weird goal to concede frustrating for him but um, Kenny's doing Kenny things and scoring um, a peach and then also scoring with his right foot was, was very cool and I think it was a good win against Brighton who we've kind of just taken the mick out of for the last few days really yeah exactly I mean it's uh, <laughs> Fulham versus Brighton is a very favourable fixture um, Ben there were good reports about Steven Sessegnon in the game good to hear him getting A some minutes and B some plaudits yeah it's always nice to hear about the academy boys especially someone that's on the fringe like uh, Steven is getting some some encouraging minutes and some good feedback as well I think he's one that a lot of Fulham fans have earmarked for promise next year um, I think as I said earlier there's still a bit of a way to go before we see him taking up that right wing back spot or just a normal right back spot as his own I think there was also some very good plaudits from a couple of people regarding the performance of Joe Bryan and um, how he had come inside and started to play as a DM um, uh, for parts of the second half which yeah. is something you normally see from a Pep Guardiola's Man City with Zinchenko but uh, to see it from Scott Parker's Fulham's quite pleasing, I'd say. Um, right, let's come on to some questions um, before we finish the podcast today. Uh, here's the first one from Christian Liedberg. Would you want a time traveller to tell you this season Fulham would go up automatically, in brackets, making games this season less stressful but potentially less fun? Or would you rather not know and enjoy the excitement of another championship campaign? Jack Kelly. Not know, because the championship's so unpredictable. You don't want to be knowing the outcome before you even start. Um, enjoy the ride of the championship because there'll be ups there'll be downs and if it ends up in promotion then we're all going to be happy so yeah apart from the fact we have to be back in the Premier League yeah I mean that's the one <laughs> I, I suggested this last week um, could, can, is there a way for us to win the league but just not get promoted and get our <laughs> like, promotion play to someone else I would Definitely. love that I would absolutely love that yeah, could it maybe, happen yeah is that a good idea but then we'd be no you say you get pulled of the championship but Premier League teams play in the Premier League every season so and then Man City probably enjoy that. So I don't see why we need to get promoted. Just give it I to. I think Man City probably do enjoy winning the Premier League quite a bit. 
Yeah, we'll probably, we'll, we'll, but that's we'll why enjoy, it's great. That's we'll why enjoy winning the championship every season. That's why it's great. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be. Fine well, I said it. I'd rather go up. We could be three seasons here, like. out of five than finish seventeenth in the Premier League five years in a row. No, I suppose. Yeah. So. Um, this is from Abron Smith, friend of the pod, who is going to be our highest scorer next season, apart from Mitro, Cavalero, uh, Kearney, or Knockarts. Oh, Magic Floyd Aite. He's not going to get that many minutes, is he? Yeah, of course he is. He's a legend. I mean, that doesn't mean he'll get minutes. He'll be all right when we sell Cabano. What about one of the midfielders? If Johansson is our starting centre midfielder, then I can see it being him. Because obviously, if you if you look at his first season for club, what did he get? Ten goals, over ten goals and over ten assists. Yeah. And I can't remember how many he got in seventeen eighteen, but yeah, he's he's always he's always up there when it comes to goals for Fulham players. So, and we're not. I wouldn't say our defenders are prolific goal scorers. So the only one I reckon could bag a few goals is Joe Bryan. I think he had quite a lot of attempts last season and hasn't found the net, but certainly, you know, Scott Malone got an awful lot of yeah, goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, scored before. one of my favourite goals uh, Joe Bryan did last year. Uh, away to Mill win the cup. Do you remember it? Yes, bang. It was lovely that was goal. Cyrus Christie, wasn't it? No, but Joe, oh, Bryan, yeah, Joe yeah. Bryan scored in the, the first, first one. Half. Yeah. yeah, It's really nice when you see both fullbacks score. Um, I, I'm, I might back Kamara off the bench, maybe seven or eight goals. Yeah. Impact sub. Because I tell you what, that run he did against um, Brighton at the weekend was, was really decent. Yes, I it was. Genuinely think he's still a threat, and um, I think fans have changed their opinion about Kamara after Saturday. And hopefully tomorrow night he can do some bits for us. Sonny Luca, <laughs> he's definitely a lethal weapon. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, here's one from Matthew Chantry. Um, with our team now being Championship top two quality on paper, uh, do you think Parker is now under huge pressure to take us straight back up? If anything short is anything short of promotion considered a failure that might result in him losing his job? I think that is what everyone's sort of see- that's why everyone's questioning Fulham from the outside and within probably as well that we've got the players, we've got the team. It's not like we've got loads of new players in the squad. This is the team who have been playing together. You know, you look at you got Kenny, you got Johansson, you got Benelli, you got Adoy, you've got Kamara. They've all played together before, and the only question mark is over the manager. Can Scott Parker in his first debut season as a you know, permanent fund manager um, push a team into the Premier League. I think that's what the biggest questions are at the moment. If you compare to managers such as Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds or Neil Warnock at Cardiff, yeah, I think th- there's pressure because we came down and we have a good squad. But then, because it's Parker's first full season, there might be a tendency to be a little bit more lenient. But then you look at Lampard, who came in and took Derby to sixth and then to a playoff final. So. Didn't take them anyway. Got them no. where they were the season before. <laughs> I mean, I they, think Darby I don't very... think he improved them in the slightest. Uh, well, hold your ground, Jack Kelly. No, the, 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 okay, going, the game against Leeds in the, in the playoff semi second leg was yeah, one of the this best. This idea that Lampard did some season. sort of phenomenal job, right? No, it wasn't a phenomenal job. Or like did a good, even did a good, he did exactly the same that Gary Rowe did the season before. They got to the playoffs and lost. Okay, so we have a we have a playoff team on paper. Let's see if. Scott Parkin can just do a job and get us well, to yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, I think you know. I think people will be expecting your planet promotion because can you name? Yeah. Can you name five? Let's say we were got players when we finished sixth. There's not five better teams in the league than us. I think Brentford could be on part of us. I don't think on paper. I I, I think I, I, I agree think, that I think Grant Brentford will have a good season, but on paper, I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone challenges us. I genuinely think the closest contenders are Cardiff, Cardiff, West Brom, Leeds. You, there's still teams in there like the Middlesbrough who are going to be quite interesting to watch next year and, and Forest as well no one's For- ever said Middlesbrough are going to be interesting to watch <laughs> <in history. laughs> yeah I know but they're a team that can that can run you close aren't they yeah are they not 
I don't think so. I, I, don't I, I think if you look at someone like Forrest, they've got like 36 senior players on the books and they're getting quite a lot of investment at the minute and they've got a guy they want in yeah, charge. Look at, good if you look at Stoke's scored on paper, that should be getting top six easily. Yeah, but Stoke are undergoing a transition from playing under... But what I don't know what, uh, what, what you've seen in Middlesbrough in the last two seasons that makes you think they're going to challenge. Well, they just have a, a fairly good amount of investment and a fairly decent team in areas. They have a good squad. I don't yeah, think they've got, yeah, but there's about got 50, one of the best strikers tw- in the league and if we're going to score your way to the title, they've got one of those guys. Yeah, there's about 12 teams in the league who you can argue look like they can mm. challenge, which I know you say that every pre-season in the championship, mm. but you know, I think that there are only a few teams who I see chat who if we are going for automatic promotion who will challenge us and as Jack said it is West Brom it is Leeds and it is Cardiff um, this is from Hector uh, not Michael Hector will McDonald Bellerin? be good enough to yeah Bellerin uh, to start at set CDM or does he need replacing does he have it in him to play a 46 game season no way does he have it in 46 um, that's why we need a, that's why we need someone to rotate with him and um, Hopefully, a new CDM comes in. You can get Anguissa, maybe he could play there, but, but we don't no really point, know about Anguissa. It's just a waste play on the film because it's not yeah, where he plays. No, no, I'm just saying, but we, but we need another CDM. Then. Then some fun of says that Anguissa is holding midfield. No, I, don't know, I don't know where they've got it from. No. Is that why someone like Mo Besic, for instance, he interests me for that because I think Kevin McDonald has a big part to play, but I think you need, you need some other legs in there. You cannot be relying on, on Kevin McDonald. I don't think there's another has screen. Does really die that much in 12 months? I mean, mm, probably not. not, but what? But I think what you need to look at is like if someone gets injured, i.e. McDonald, you've really got a few, like you like I said you earlier down to bare bones. Which Wait, is, is why... Ibrahim Asiso? That's it. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, Ranieri loves him, so there we go. Um, I think like for me, it's a case of yeah, you do need to you do need to strengthen a little bit more in the midfield, especially at the at the bottom of that triangle that we're going to play in the middle there. I think. That for that reason alone, Bessage interests me as well. But the one person that really doesn't interest me at all is Harry Arter. Like I don't understand this fanfare around Arter. Other than it's the just fact that the he's, relation to Parker, yeah, yeah. But he's just a bit blood and guts and but not yeah, much I th- else. I think it, it, it is. We do you, need cover for Ken McDonald, but it's not because he can't last forty-six games. Mm. Just because we need, uh, yeah, you need cover in the midfield area. Yeah. Because yeah, as I said, even last time, if McDonald was out, we only had what we had Norwood and Johansson who could possibly play there. I think it is about having cover there, but I don't think. I don't think it's, you can suggest that he won't last 46 games. It's only a year on from when he was one of our best players. Um, from Kevin Gower, um, I just placed a bet on a triple. Man City to win the Premier League, Fulham to win the Championship and Sunderland to win League One at 75-1. to 1. Am I stupid? No, but you've cursed it. Cheers, Kevin. Well, yes, you, you've, <laughs> yes because you, you, you think Sunderland are going to go up. I put, I put Sunderland to go I up. I don't think they will go up. I think Pompey are going to win the league. Okay. I, I just don't... I just, Sunderland just... Oh, Sunderland, so I'll just stay down there. So that's that's an answer for yes, Kevin. You are stupid. Yes, um, Adam. <laughs> sorry, Kevin. Um, do you know why the club decided not to sell any Putney End tickets for the first three games of the season? It is a bit of a bizarre move. Do you wonder if they're trying to sell out the Hammy End and Johnny Haynes End first? I'd, ima- I'd imagine so. Obviously, if we look at Blackburn, we've only given them an allocation of what sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred, which is half what we usually give a team when we had a full stadium. So, I'd imagine maybe they are. Maybe they want to. Le- they want to leave them in that stand on their own. I don't know. But maybe they are looking to sell at the Hammersmith and the Johnny Haynes first, and then then they'll eventually sell tickets in the Putney end. Because realistically, you know, if there's tickets available in Johnny Haynes and Hammersmith, you, you're going to much rather sit there mm. than the Putney end. But also, I think the, the Putney end might be good. But this also, season. another thing I think people are forgetting about is well, that's where all the Riverside people are. Well, yeah. yes, but there's not that many Riverside. There's not there's enough. Eight thousand Rivers- people who sit in a Riverside stand. 
And 5,000 are seen together. It's 8,000. It is. Is it? It's an 8,000 seat stand for 5,000 which are seen together. It's the highest percentage of seen together to a stand. Obviously, some have been put in Putney and some have been put in the front of the Hammersmith. So, you have, you aren't going to be, it's not going to have like five blocks open. Okay, so you're maybe your what well, your point is there might not be many seats left at all in yeah, the and also end. from going what I know my dad being a uh, Riverside senior guy, well, he's been put straight to P one, so I presume they've been putting him over there and maybe going across. So it means there's probably what two blocks in the middle maybe. So yeah. I don't yeah I think that the scene to get to the Riverside is probably a thing to do with it as well. Uh, this one from Nick West: What happens if Mitrovic gets injured? Who would you play up top? Rui Font. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it probably looks like Rui Font. To me, or you've got Aita who can play a sort of like false nice striker mm. sort of he thing. You've got a for someone in twenty three. Is it Timmy Abraham? Or is he still in the under eighteen? Yeah, I think it's or Timmy. You've got Santa Claus, whatever his name is. Nicholas Santos. Taylor yeah, Crossdale, yeah. who's doing bits. Oh, you got Martin Te- Martin Taylor Crossdale. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. I can't. Okay. <laughs> Within one week, apart from discussing our last week's pod, I forgot <laughs> about Taylor Crossdale. Stephanie Hansen, false nice. Back on his debut, didn't he? Sorry, so he's got two in two now. Yeah, well, is that well, against well, Porto? Get him in the team. What did he play? Did he score against Porto? Porto uh, Braga B. Oh, last year. Well done, Martin. Last week. Um, two questions. This one from Lulu. Um, I bought my girlfriend a season ticket for the upcoming season. There's a bloke called Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having that. I, his I, name's Lou, isn't it? I, I assume it's his handle rather than his actual name. I hope so. Not Lulu like the <laughs> Scottish singer. <laughs> I bought my girlfriend a season ticket for the upcoming season. She doesn't know Fulham amazingly well. She enjoys football, but wants to know more about it so she doesn't feel weird owning a season ticket. Girl, my question is, how can I educate my girlfriend about Fulham? <laughs> how about the podcast that you've just sent a question into? Yes. Yeah? Great idea. That'd be a really good and okay. smart idea, Lulu. Maybe get her into some kind of pre-match routine, as in pub to go to before the game. and Just let her know that the game's the least important part of a day. <laughs> what about things like uh, two fifth? Yeah, get us really couple of them. Yeah, <laughs> Liam sure? Curry with the Murdsmith be really good. Won't <laughs> be able to understand a thing that he's written, but it'll be good laugh. Yeah, Jerry j- Jerry Pym does just, a really good column in yeah, it. Yeah, well. j- just just get remember, just football is the least important moment of the day. The most important part is the pub before and the pub after, and she'll be fine. Okay, well I hope she likes drinking. Uh, finally, from Lee Warner. Following on from last week, who out of the podcast team is most likely to make it to the top of Mount Everest? It's not me. Not me. Well, I saw Don Betts play five and a half minutes of football before having to yeah, go off. Not Absolutely blowing, so I'm not sure it's Don Yeah, I, I, I had a kick about in Bushy Park the other week. My body was in pain for three days. So I mean, I've... you did a 35-mile cycle yesterday. 47, actually. Sorry. I, which is pretty... I mean, that's further than anything I've ever done. I mean, that's not a long drive, let alone a bike. Yeah, it was, it was nice to get out there. I'm... Uh, don't think many people know this yet other than the other than you sammy but i'm attempting next year to ride from london to amsterdam oh, for wow. prostate cancer so i'm trying to train myself however yesterday my knees were not having it at all so and that's not good for uh, climbing mount everest yeah i've, well, done, I've could, done some of the great wall of china so it's basically the same thing <laughs> yeah, yeah I, nearly mate <laughs> uh i'd back cameron ramsey i reckon oh He'd yeah bits. yeah cameron yeah, ramsey's, Cam quite ramsey's quite a fit, lad. fit yeah I'll go for a cross between Ben Jarman and Cam Ramsey. I would, I would say Drew, but he'd probably start doing his Cam hair Ramsey's up. fit. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Just kind of as a promo saying Cam Ramsey's fit. He is fit. Quite a, quite a, <laughs> He's a good looking lad. I know that. <laughs> he bought me a Burger King. I, I really respect that. 
I'll just go for Cam Ramsey anecdotes for the next I would, I would say Drew but he'd probably stop halfway up to do his hair or something <laughs> no he'd stop halfway and start moaning about everything on Mount Everest <laughs> <laughs> these ropes are a joke um, so yeah Lee that is it and finally um, we did do a little game earlier on our Twitter which has done quite well if Fulham signed you tomorrow what pun on your name would the marketing team come up with uh, we've had some great ones um, come through here. Uh, Don, what would be yours while I have a look through them? I, I don't know. Something, I don't know, place your bets or bets Better confirmed it. or something. Better believe it. Bets to believe it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Ben? I've no idea what mine would be. I think yours would be Jarman. Just Jarman. Here's Jarman. Oh, here's yeah. Jarman. Maybe, actually. That's a nice one. Um, still Jarman. Jarman's a zip, actually. Jack, you must have thought about this. If I was a striker, I'd be Jack in the Box, but I can't really think of another one. Oh, that's very good. I like that's that. very good. Uh, Louis Dore came up and said Ballon Dore, which I. Uh, I like that one a lot. Which I, I thought yeah. was. <laughs> Uh, Jack's mate Umberto he's all our mates uh, Umberto king of Italy <laughs> um, 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 Ivan Berry got involved he said a very good signing uh, yeah I like mm. that one as well I really like the one from I think it was either James or Joe O'Brien who said job done oh yeah. that's that Joe O'Brien excellent yeah. uh, that's here we go um, Tom Fulsham said full sham <laughs> Richard Bamba la 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 Bamba um, Sol Bamba his name is mate not Richard Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, FFC Wadey said Wade in. Uh, Jack Wiltshire said the other Jack Wiltshire. Mm. Chris Mackey said Mackey and Khaki. Mitch said a Mitch made in heaven. I like or, that. Wasn't, or wasn't Charlie Rimmer just like I don't even want to think. What? Charlie Rimmer posted it. Well, come on, it's gonna be quite easy. Oh right. Yeah. Like rooms. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Charlie. Uh, anyway, keep those coming in on Twitter. Well, that is all for the Fulhamish podcast today. All we need to do is name the episode. Ben Jarman, what would you like to go for? I'm gonna go for it's a knockout. It's a knockout. Classic. Mm. Good game show. Great game show. Who's hosting it? It's a knockout. Hmm. Unsure. Well, it depends which one you mean. The original or the remake? Because oh. the remake was really good. Was it? Hang on, let's have a look. In my view. I can't see who hosted it. Uh, Keith Chegwin briefly hosted it between 91 and 94. I can, see that, I can see that Frank Bruno was a referee between uh, 1999 and 2001. Other than that, I don't really recognise any other the names on there. I'm sure that uh, someone listening will be very angry because I'm not knowing who people are that presented it to Knockout. But yeah, good name, Ben. Anyway, we digress. Thank That's you very right. much for listening today. Fulhamish will return next Monday. Uh, we'll be looking back at the friendlies against Oxford and West Ham and, of course, discussing any more transfer news that happens between now and then Don Betts thank you very much All right. Jack Kelly thank you very much yeah, quickly just thanks everyone who just uh, shared all my video of me falling on my ankle that was fun oh yeah that was that was relatively amusing <laughs> that's what you get for trying to do a Ronaldo celebration yeah very moist um, and the Professor Ben Jarman thank you very much I'm just uh, right now ordering a batch of get well soon Jack Kelly shirts <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you very soon have a good week take care bye bye bye, bye. bye.